There he is. We're out here. Tony Soprano to his good friend Phil. There he is. Iconic line at Sopranos. Mm. Man of the hour. Too sweet to be sour. I think there's something in it for everyone. There he is. Today we've got a big show. Real big show. It's going to be a hot show. Um, Coming in hot. We're going to come in hot and there's going to be people who are probably going to not like it. Going to unsubscribe. Andos is going to do his breakdown as per usual. Mm-hmm. Do a whole lot of the DC dip and twirl. Andos is going to break down. Triple J. Hottest 100. Hottest 100 fiasco. Uh, sicko mode. Was it sick? Was it? Is it our generation's Bohemian Rhapsody? Uh, I'm going to say it now. Disgusting. <laughs> Triple J. Take him off the air. All right. We got... Uh, big man Andos in the building today, Andos. Um, I understand you want to do a bit of a shout out. Bit of a shout out to some of the boys. Some of the boys. Take it away, so um, I was at a, a gathering of people on the uh, 25th of January, and uh, one of my mates from Barrel had a few mates there, and I get flooded, of course. And they say we're big Carnage House fans, and so big shout out, Geordie Mall. Absolute legend, Zinzan Steel, Sam Lawrence. Zinzan Steel. His name is Zinzan Steel. It's a he, but the thing is, is he, he from Byron? I think he's from he's from Barrel. He goes okay. to so um, big shout out to the boys. We love that. Also, uh, Jordan Williams shared the podcast with his nan. Said she loved it. So uh, big thanks. We're going places. Can't just getting some clout. Love that. Positive vibes only. I think. Um, also going to add the top of the show this time give a shout out to My Style Suits My mm. Style just the most loyal of sponsors really um, is. stuck with us through the thick and the thin a lot of thin a lot of thin but also a lot of thick a lot of thin on the content action but you know what we're we coming back the, we, we love flurry. the thickies we, we, love some we thickies. do love a little bit of thickness <laughs> so they're coming back coming back in a big way uh, My Style is telling us anyway it's got some big things happening big things in the works I hear um Look, I'm not really sure. I'm undecided what I want to kick it off with. So a couple, uh, of, couple of big topics. So we want to. I think maybe we, we delve into the more controversial ones later. I think. I think. No, I reckon we go controversial first. straight in there. You think? Yeah, we got to keep these guys on the hook. Millennials have an awful attention span. Oh bloody oath! Bloody oath! I say. <laughs> um, Andos, why don't you run us through? Uh, give us a breakdown of the Triple J Hottest 100. Well, uh, I'm going to call it a scandal. Well, the big news, other than the music this year, was obviously the uh, the changing of the date. Uh, traditionally, the hottest 100 would be played on Australia Day, and so on the 26th of January, Triple J would go through the hottest 100 songs of the year as voted by the people. Big popularity, and uh, so what you listen to on um, it's kind of a, the background story of of the event, isn't it? Yeah, and oh, until oh, I guess this is numbered. Until number gets, 17 yeah. when, it, when it gets to number number 10 and number 5 then you just can sort of get to the point where you hear pin drop in the room when mm. you're just waiting for the intro besides the music besides yeah well when when they're doing the, the intro to like yeah. what's next oh, and then so uh, one of the big fiascos on the music was when they were doing the intro to number 3 on the hottest 100 Travis Scott and Drake sicko mode which was described as this generation's Bohemian Rhapsody, which really... It's disgusting. It's filth. It's an awful call. Um, um, just because they, they chop, up, chop it up and change it up doesn't mean it's Bohemian Rhapsody. I'm not a fan of the song. 
I mean, I don't mind it. I think uh, Drake looks like a bit of a wussy through most of it. Is that because of his uh, out like a light? Out like a light. That's horrific. He ain't about it. He ain't, he ain't the real deal anymore. He ain't about this thug life. <laughs> He's we, a pretender. He really um, is. But the, big con- the, the real big controversy around this year was that they've uh, moved it to the 27th of January as a protest against Australia Day. And invasion Day, as some might call it. Mm. Um, so what are, what are your thoughts on that, on that Zan? <clears throat> it's a soft move, but it's unsurprising from Triple J. Um, yeah. Triple J is... Um, uh, look, to be honest, I don't actually mind the music on Triple J. I'll put, the, dis- I'll put the disclaimer out there. It's, yeah. I don't mind it. Um, I think they're a little bit confused as to their identity. Mm. Um, That's true. They kind of mix and match between indie folk music and really mainstream trap house music. <laughs> a little bit of that Travis Scott. A little bit of that Travis Scott. A lot of like Kendrick Lamar. Um, and it kind of gets the perception that there's a lot of um, white guys who want to be black in working at Triple J. There's also a lot of white guys who want to be just minorities in general, I think. Who don't want white guys who just do, don't want white. White guys who don't want to hold the burden of being a white guy, I think, is their perspective. Yeah. Um, Look, and and this is obviously I don't. I assume a lot of their target markets in kind of Surrey Hills, Newtown area, but that's not exactly true. Yeah. It, they've got a pretty wide reach. So I'm, I'm kind of. Uh, I get a little bit nervous when uh, companies decide and businesses decide they want to take stances on political issues. And look, I, I respect the fact, and I want them to do it. I want them mm. to. I just don't think it's a good move. Commercially, commercially, I think. Well, I think they've pretty much just said we're going to please our fan base, and I think their fan base is those type of people that wanted to change the day. And I mean, a lot of their people would have been out at Invasion Day marches on Australia Day, so making the move to Triple J Day in quotation marks on twenty seventh of January. Yeah, I mean, you could say it's it's just taking taking a a soft stance but sticking hard line on that mm. um, I'm not massive on it um, I don't know uh, like I, I find particularly the people who are advocating that it's invasion day are, are more white than anything else than indigenous yeah, yeah than indigenous and also this idea that um, there are plenty of indigenous people who don't want to change today yeah right and so I don't understand why these uh, like the white people are more entitled to their opinion um, it's taking, it's taking just, offense on other people's part, really. Yeah, stick to your guns, stick in your lane a little bit. Um, if you got a problem, I'm I'm happy like I'm happy to have a discussion yeah. about it. Um, we love the there are a lot of misconceptions that are portrayed around um, Invasion Day, so to speak, mm. and uh, the way in which uh, Australia was colonized, which I'm happy to have a co- conversation about. Um, we could now or for a later day. I'm happy to go now. Um, uh, go, go on your rant, mate. I've go got a, I've rant. got a couple of things. Uh, what, we, what you have to understand um, about pre-colonial Australia was that uh, the Aboriginal people was not a, a united front. Yeah, there was hundreds, thousands, hundreds of thousands, thousands of, of uh, separated tribes, uh, more than I think seven hundred languages, as uh, as far as we can tell. Uh, the leading cause of death for a male under thirty um, was not disease. It wasn't. Uh, attacks by wild animals it wasn't starvation as you would think uh, it was homicide mm. um, also you find that an unbelievable prevalence of uh, when you study the remains of women in um, 
burial sites, uh, unbelievable prevalence of uh, abrasions and fractures uh, on the skull particularly, but yeah. also all over the body. Uh, domestic violence was unbelievably prevalent. And not only that, um, just totally divided. So when, it, when, the, when the debate gets portrayed as um, kind of uh, your mob came in versus our mob, uh, butchered, I agree, there were atrocities. Huge and I, I don't want to uh, contend that, that, that none of that happened but what I would say is that you cannot overlook the fact that pre-colonial Australia was incredibly violent already yep. unbelievably violent yeah um, so I'm as I said I'm happy to have the discussion um, the problem the problem I have is uh, how long are we going to continue to have a discussion like this um, where people who have no direct relation to the event, um, the vast majority of white people in Australia had no, do not have ancestors who were there mm. during during exactly. this time, during this period. How long are those people going to be made to feel sorry and pay for the actions of those of the past? It's not. I don't think it's productive. I think there's no real end to it. Um, and I think as well, another thing that gets mixed up is what the uh, what the actual purpose of Australia Day is which I think is a celebration of the values that we hold dear today. Um, yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're against, um, like, even, like, the multiculturalism that we have today, uh, the values we hold as a country where we're sort of, we're quite inclusive, uh, and the values we hold, I think that if you're not willing to, to celebrate that, then what are you really doing? That's my stance, really. Um, I don't think there's people out there's many people out there at all that are going out of their way to make Indigenous people's lives hard. No. Um, I don't think anyone looks back at the atrocities that happen and celebrate it. No. I think it gets all uh, the sort of a straw man that's built up where everyone is exaggerating uh, today's climate. Um, that's my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's the white saviour complex that comes through in, in Western societies and it's part of, I think, the decline and fall of the West in general. Um, this kind of ethno-masochism where uh, white people kind of self-flagellate in the, in the way that the guy in the Da Vinci Code, you know, the Paul Bettany's character, just stands there whipping himself. Mm -hmm. um, Repentance, sir? Yeah, I, look, I'm happy to acknowledge the fact that there were atrocities, but let's not pretend that the people of today had anything to do with it. And let's also stop pretending that... Uh, that the society that, that beforehand... The, that, well, that, that Australian society today continues to oppress people. Yeah. I mean, uh, Warren Mundine, who came on Q&A, um, who was also the chair of the Prime Minister's Indigenous Advisory Council, told Q&A that $30 billion is, $30 billion is spent every year on 500,000 Indigenous Australians. So that's taxpayers' money, which is everyone's money, mm. is getting funneled into Aboriginal uh, Indigenous causes by direct and indirect means. It includes wealth, welfare payments, among other things. But um, if we're going to have, like, if we want to change Australia Day, I just think it's it serves no benefit. It serves no purpose. It overlooks many of the like the actual issues facing Indigenous communities, mm. particularly in rural areas. Especially, yeah. Um, it's a kind of a side screen whereby uh, issues aren't dealt with. 
um, and there are many Indigenous people who agree that um, it's time to move on and actually address some proper cultural issues within the Australian Indigenous community. Now, I'm not out here bagging the Aborigines. Um, I think what happened to them, again, was, was appalling, but the only way to move on is to move on. Yeah. We cannot continually just get into the same debate every year because there's no end to it. I mean, there are, like, there are, you see, people in Indigenous communities that are stepping up and are doing that, like, especially work um, with the youth, the Indigenous youth, um, yeah. which you see has uh, extreme, especially in the Northern Territory, has extreme rates of, uh, of crime. Abuse. Uh, yeah, child abuse, crime, and especially recidivism rates yeah. of, of crime, which sort of makes you think that the... Uh, values which we communally hold dear aren't uh being passed on but there is good work being done there just needs to be more um so that we sort of can move on as a society which is quite imperative i think yeah i think we've just got to move on we've got to move on this um the problem is when when you operate in a system where you try and identify or, or, or like the, the the world we live in is an incredibly complex place, and so in order to synthesise that, people often come up with a very general and easy to manipulate worldview, right? Yeah. And this is one of the reasons why Marxism is popular, because it's unbelievably easy to categorise people as either uh, the part of the ruling class yeah. or the proletariat. Um, so when you do that, when you begin to put people in, in categories like that it's often you do it by the easiest means yeah. gender race um wealth rich and poor yeah okay you do those three things and depending on the correlation between all those strings all those three things and say life expectancy um income all those things you can kind of determine a kind of a systematic social structure and then say well we've got to overturn it so that it's more equal the yeah. problem is that there's so many different overlaps and it's actually much more complex than that so the even though the ends are I, I guess idyllic and utopian the actual road to get there is far more difficult and far more complex and what you end up ha having happen is situations in which policies which are designed to uh, achieve a certain outcome often achieve vastly different outcomes or quite often the opposite you take for example the minimum wage say uh, welfare payments um, yeah. all that type of thing it ends up uh, hurting these people far more than, it, than it's helping them. Yeah. So look, if, if we want to have the conversation in depth, I'm happy to, but what I'm not a massive fan of is the perception that white people are out to get indigenous people. I don't think it's true and I don't think it's helpful. Exactly. I, I agree. I think you've done a very nice synthesis there of- uh, Thank you, young Andos. Um, I think that kind of does it for a show. Um, I'm, uh, one more thing on the Triple J. Yeah. Big snub, no Mobamba. President Sheck West, not very happy. Uh, so how do, do you actually know the, the means the means by which it's determined? So what, it's, uh, what it is, is they get everyone to vote for 10 songs. And so each song gets a vote and the one with the most supposedly wins, but we don't see the votes, which is a little bit iffy. But... Um, so it's supposed to just be everyone votes. There was over two and a half. There's around two and a half million votes this year. Um, Does everyone get one vote? That's how it's supposed to be. I think uh, you can definitely create other accounts. I, I think you could probably. Two and a half million is a lot of people. It is, that's and I mean, it's um, 
But they made an emphasis that it wasn't just from Australia. I mean, the majority of it was, but I mean, you'd get a few, like a couple hundred thousand, probably international votes. Yeah. I'd say from probably Aussies abroad. Yeah. Okay. But um, yeah, okay. a lot of votes. Um, Ocean Alley, an Australian band, won. Fisher, an Australian DJ, came second, and then we had uh, the boys from Sicko Mode coming in third. So um, look, it was a good day. Let's have a look. Um, top ten. Top ten. Ocean Alley had a field day. They had four songs in the top 100. Is there some kind of love affair? I mean, they do love. Um, oh, it's just this. It's the Australian. It's the demographic that just what votes as well. What type of music is Ocean Alley? Sort of, sort of indie rock. The type that our um, sister would be into. Okay, Ruby Fields, Billie Eilish. Yeah. Oh, that's a good song, Billie Eilish. When the party's over. Yeah, we like that. She's yeah. She's not bad. Yeah. Uh, number four, uh, Childish Gambino. This is America. That was dump. I did throw not that in the trash. That's look, garbage. From, that is the classic ethnomasochism that we see in the US. Um, just total import, copy paste. The problem is with This Is America, and I'll tell you this. Um, as I said, Childish Gambino is more than entitled to make his own music. He's more than entitled to um. Uh, speak on social issues as much as he wants, right? Obviously, it's a hot topic, gun violence in America. Yeah. Um, in almost every single one of the high-profile cases in America where police shot an unarmed black man, the black man wasn't cooperating. Yeah. Almost every single time. And I'll say this again. I've said this in a previous podcast. Um, I think that's off. Yeah, that's Gorski's. Um, as soon as you start resisting arrest, the police consider you armed. And it's for the following reason. Because... When you get into a tussle, the person who is armed is not necessarily the police officer. It's the person who can get to the gun yeah. and can get to the gun quickest. So the reason why if you don't resist is because of the potential for the offender to switch positions and put yeah. it on you. Yeah. Right? That's the reason. And I mean, in the um, age of like the body cams as well, you see there are pl- there's plenty and plenty of footage where police officers are just going after someone that they want to apprehend and the hands are in the pockets or the yeah. hands and you just the shirt. You and when know. you see from the body cam as well it's legitimately goosebumps because they say get your hands out of your pocket right now put your hands up and if, when they don't cooperate like it can be fatal for a police officer oh 100% all the time uh, there are plenty of videos on YouTube of cops getting shot by, by people in cars there are far more uh, fatalities from uh, police officers than there are by unarmed um, black men yeah Way more, mm. way more, um, and I think the thing that most people realise is when they when one the whole unarmed black thing almost is never is, is never true, um, because as soon as you start resisting arrest, you're considered armed, and it's for unbel- um, like it's infallible that reason. It's yeah. it's a great reason, um, but you also don't realise the speed which which with which things happen. Yeah, um, yeah. you often have situations in which police officers are totally overmatched by the size of uh, the potential offender. Um, you have uh, Trayvon Martin he was tall and six foot um, weighed pretty close to 100 kilos and can move yeah so it, it, when the visibility is not great and he's resisting arrest then you you've got you've limited got, choice you've got l- less Seriously. than two seconds yeah and at any point especially if you look at sort of the precedent set in those situations at any point that police officer can lose their life yeah and I mean they have a duty to protect like not only society but themselves as well because there's no good us having dead police officers I've got massive respect for police officers big love um, for the enforcement 
Uh, when people say F the cops, I say F you. Yeah, we don't um, we don't like the the pig reference. <laughs> well, no. I mean, they're quite funny, but I mean, I when, you start, when you start saying fry the cops like bacon, that's... Pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon. That's what Antifa, the anti-fascists were saying. The anti-fascists... It's quite ironic. It's paradoxical. Quite a lot of irony. Um, Charlie Scambino, so obviously he plays on that. This is America. Doesn't Obviously doesn't want to talk about the black-on-black gun violence in his own mm. community because that would make him unpopular. But, you know, you're more than 2,000% more likely to be shot by another black man if you are black than you are by a police officer. Yeah. And also... Um, that was, I'm not sure how that song got into to number four spot. It's been out pretty, for almost a year, pretty much. I, the, me and my mates, we were gathered around. There was probably 15 of us of va- vastly different ethnicities uh, around a pool, thinking, "What's the top five going to be?" Uh, That's triple. That is classic triple J. Anyways, not thought of this is America. Yeah, the, the reason, like, they get a perception, like, they put out that there's a lot of good music on triple J. I just mm. don't know why they got to put this social justice warrior spin on it. Anyway. Maybe They're not. more than entitled to it. It's their business. If it's working for them, more power to them. Mm. Moving on. Moving on. What's uh, next, sir? Pill testing. Let's another big one. From one to another. Let's yeah, go. Let's rip into it. It's, and it's the same demographic as well we're ripping in on today. Same thing. A lot of people ripping into Gladys. Um, people saying it's her fault kids are dying. I'm going to say... That is... Have you heard this? Yeah, the, the blood's, blood's, blood's on her hands. hands. That is hot trash. Hot trash. Um, Get that's out going of here. in the bin. Because anyone who says uh, Gladys has blood on her, I don't particularly like Gladys. Um, something about her. She's not super likable, is she? Not super likable. Um, but I will say to label her as a reason why kids are taking drugs and illegally like, and dying yeah. is, uh, I think, a little bit unreasonable. Um, because her stance is uh, drugs are bad, don't do them. Uh, I think drugs are so bad that it's illegal. Yeah. So not only does she think that they're bad, she's upholding the belief that it should be criminal to do so, and people are saying, oh, kids are dying. So there's a bunch of reasons. Well, we should probably give, give the argument justice. Right? I'm going to say first thing, I don't think it's Gladys' fault, but let's, we should probably have a little run-through of the fours and against of pill testing. Yep. Yep. Why don't you run... Are you across it? Um, I look, I'll get, I'll give my input here. Why don't you give it a, 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 a youthful spin on this? Well, the arguments. So I've had this conversation with a couple of people. Not in it's great, not in great depth, it's in but it's it's yeah, it's on the grapevine. You could say um, the argument that I hear the most is that kids are going to do it anyway. So why not make it safer yeah. for them to do so? Yeah. And look, um, that's probably the main argument. The way main that's the best it. argument. It's the it's the kids are kids argument, which is. A lot like the boys will be boys argument, which is quite ironic. We don't like that one. With Gillette. We don't like that one. Uh, the Gillette is now, uh, we've now gone to disposable razors. We're not going Gillette. No. Vic, <laughs> you've got my business. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, how about we start off with that one? That the kids yeah. will be kids argument. Okay, so it's actually almost a libertarian argument. Um, the pro- if we take it to the furthest extent possible, Right, which is where I don't think they, the, the advocates really want it to go to. Yeah. The argument is uh, kids are going to do it anyway. Let's, in, let's implement pill testing um, so that the ones, the pills that are dangerous, harmful, toxic or whatever will be picked up yeah. um, and it will be harm minimization. Essentially, that's the process. Yeah. 
if you take it to its logical extent, if we are to say that it is okay to take illicit substances in the confines of a festival on the basis that they are deemed safe, um, then there should be no reason at all why anyone else should not be able to use them in any other aspect of their life. Yeah, at any time as well. At any time. Yeah. Uh, then that brings, obviously, there's driving under the influence of drugs. If we're prepared to say that people are allowed to walk around, um, on drug, often it's public property. Um, oh, festivals yeah. Oh, yeah. There's on public property and there's no reason to say that they shouldn't be allowed to do that say in the middle of marketplace um, also the the argument would also be that um, so for instance someone might say okay well who's going to be responsible um, in the case where a pill is put through deemed safe when it's not safe Right, and I mean that's a that's a tough conversation to have. And I mean, it's also you get the. It's not as if when the pill is deemed unsafe, you can still you can still take it when it's deemed unsafe, which is another thing which we sort of don't really account for, especially if the person's already inebriated. But um, yeah, you go on, you go on. But so that's the best possible argument, I think. They're going to do it anyway. Let's try and let's try and make it safer. Yeah, harm okay. minimization. Harm minimization. Obviously, if you take that to the extent, if we're going to say that it's safe to do so in the confines of that, then we sh- it should be applied everywhere. And then in that case, we might as well just make the whole thing legal. Yeah. Okay, and that way it can be regulated better. That's harm minimization on a much bigger scale than just simply the festival. Um, there are plenty of drug overdoses that occur outside of festivals. Yeah. Um, so, number one, number one problem we have um, in my estimation, is the efficiency of the, uh, uh, of the machines. It's been pretty well shown that they're not accu- not totally accurate. Yep. Um, if you want to accurately determine what cons- the, the constituents of a pill, um, it takes a couple of days in a lab. And it also doesn't take into account for each individual person and how they react to the different substances. Yeah. So that's exactly right, and that's a really good point. Um, not and also on top of like you a lot of the times where there are overdoses and and people going to cardiac arrest and stuff like that it's a combination of factors all occurring at once often severe dehydration is especially massive especially in in the heart of summer in australia massive um you have individual predetermined conditions so existing genetic factors unknown to the user potentially unknown to the people who are testing the pills can't test for that in, in the pill itself obviously Number three, the testing isn't exactly accurate. So um, there is no reason to say that if you get back a safe pill that it's actually safe anyway. Mm. Number four, if the government's gonna be doing this, it's gonna be pretty expensive, I would imagine. To roll this type of thing out um, is not an easy process, particularly if the technology is new, it's particularly expensive. Um, Number five, there is the question of who is liable in the case where the pill is deemed safe when it's not okay um so the thing there is well i've heard some people say well you you sign a whole bunch of caveats a whole bunch of um almost like a a written agreement to say that in the event where i take this and it doesn't work out to be whatever um that's not anyone else's fault that's not anyone else's fault but mine problem that is if you can't accurately i can't accurately determine that the the uh, what's in the pill then let's just say if you buy something else in there in the festival or whatever and that is the pill that 
um, puts you over the edge, then obviously the, the waters get muddied yeah. um, in terms of who's liable. Um, also, the, the optics are extremely bad. So if someone gets uh, given a pill that's deemed safe when it's not safe, even if they've signed all the things, and even if the government isn't legally liable, you can still imagine the outrage. Yeah, especially because it's on a to- topic where we're still talking about illicit substances, substances yeah. that like sh- should not be taken as deemed by the law. Yeah. Um, look, I'm open to the, the, the best possible argument is the libertarian argument. Yeah. Okay, where we where we take that we regulate we we take it to its nth degree. We take it to the extreme and we say um, all of the following substances are legal. By doing that we minimize um, harm overall. Um, if we're better able to regulate it in that way, um, then there'll be less fatalities. That's the best possible argument. The argument, however, that we should still keep uh, certain things illegal, but pill testing um, should be administered at festivals uh, is incongruous. Because yeah. you've got all those kind of festival-specific factors, extreme dehydration, large amounts of people together, sunlight. increased stress, anxiety. Um, sunlight, the UV rays get you UV, sun, yeah, sunstroke. Mm. Um, also, oftentimes, um, it's particularly difficult to get to someone in, ti- in time um, when you're in a mosh pit or something like that and yeah. someone collapses. Yeah. Also, um, on that point as well, I think if you're in a mosh pit or you're in a prime place and you get offered a pill I don't think that most most people would have the wits especially if they're already inebriated to go take it to the pill testing which mm. is another thing like if you're listening to Fisher at the front of Groove and the Moo and some guy offers you a pill and you think yeah I think I might jump on and then I, I don't think especially at that state you really have the mental capacity to make the decision to take it to the pill testing, which even then still might not be accurate. Yeah. So there's a whole range of issues um, which haven't really been addressed and it's more just let's stop killing kids, but not really. Um, I think, yeah, the argument's flawed. The argument's seriously flawed. And it's a lot of these people that um, don't, that sort of in the ideal world where pill testing, where everyone would do it and it would be 100% accurate and kids can still just be kids or whatever. Like, yeah. that ideal world is completely just burnt to the ground when you look at all these other factors, which especially you've come up with. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's not simple. It's not, and definitely, I think, the most obvious thing is that it, the blood is not on the premier's hands. hands. Yeah. Gladys gets... Uh, we, we bring out the shield for Gladys on this one. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm happy to say that. Cool, we might take a quick break. Break. Um, and then when we come back, we'll talk something a little bit more lighthearted. I'm going to uh, go in on Daniel Radcliffe. He's my beta male of the week. Oh, gee. It's better gone from me to Daniel Radcliffe from one to another. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Passing the baton of the beta male. Uh, Anthony Davis trade rumours where we think he'll end up. Um, Super Bowl action and Super Bowl predictions. Super Bowl predictions Huge. coming up after this. We're back. Uh, talking to big business just before we uh, wrapped up we went through the heavies first so we went through pill testing Aussie day to a limited degree Australian 
or white Australian and Indigenous History. policy relations. Mm-hmm. Um, back now, back now, back now. Doing some light things. Uh, mm-hmm. Super Bowl, Super Bowl. Patriots and the and the yams, the the big R.I.P. yams, R.I.P. crispy yams, and us. Uh, who's gonna win and why? I think it's the end of the. Uh, well, I don't think it's the end of the Brady era, but I do think the Rams are going to win. Um, I think across the board, they are their lineup is better. I think uh, if they're they have such a ferocious defensive line. They do. Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald and Dominic and Sue seriously have some big games. They've got um, a keep to lead back. Big addition at safety, I think it is, or defensive back. Or something yeah, he's, like that. he's in safety slash quiet. Yeah. Um, Marcus Peters finally put his money where his mouth is. Talked a lot of sh- shite to uh, the, the Saints. They luckily got away with the win there under some controversial circumstances. But... Yeah. Um, Look, I've got the Rams. I think Jared Goff is playing better than Tom Brady. I think Tom Brady has been lucky that he hasn't gotten hit. I think his offensive line is about to fall apart with this Rams defensive line, and they're going to get to him, and they're going to hurt him and get into his head. Even though I don't like, in a one-game situation, betting against the GOAT. Well, that's all it is. That's all it is. It's that's, the, that's what it comes down to. Uh, Tom Brady's been to more Super Bowls than any other team franchise in history. By himself, yeah, he's Tom Brady and the Patriots have been to more by himself. Like you talk about experience, he's Tom Brady's got it hands down. I think you can make an argument that they're, that Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback, but you can't make the argument that anyone is greater than Tom Brady all time. Skip Bayless likes to call him uh, Psycho Tom in these moments where he just switches into another gear and he is relentless, goes down there with a goal and he rips your heart out. Atlanta Falcons blowing a 28-3 to lead. Get out of here. Seattle Seahawks come into my kitchen and you get served up some hot soup. Get out of here. But still, I think he's going to hold this L. <laughs> it's a big call. Um, it's too old. Too old. <laughs> I'm going to go against you. You can't bet against the GOAT in these type of situations. And for the reason you said before, I'm going to say it. It's a one game. One game. One game. You're telling me you, you put your money on the team that doesn't have Tom Brady. I'm sorry. Um, let's be honest. Uh, Gronkowski has not been playing well. Mm. He hasn't played well this whole season. If Gronk turns up, I don't care what type of defense you got. Gronk is a beast. Um, you got Julian Edelman, who is the Iron Man. The Iron Man. That guy, uh, Julian Edelman, uh, turns up in more big game modes than I think anyone I have ever seen. Most underrated receiver I think in the league. Every time Tom Brady needs something in the fourth quarter, going downfield, yeah. he throws it to Edelman. Edelman goes and gets it. That boy is a beast. He's a white fella, kicking <laughs> it in the NFL. I'm going to say it. I got respect for him. I got a lot of love for Edelman. Yeah, um, I'm going to. I'm going to tell you right now, the Rams are real good. Better team on paper. Super Bowl's a different game. It's Super a different game. It's a game. different animal. You've got to, it is a young quarterback in Jared Goff. I think he's like the fourth youngest quarterback to ever start a uh, Super Bowl. But, look, there's always... The legend can't live on forever. Can it, Mark? Can't live on forever. I think... Um, I think for this one, the old, the old 1-2, Big 12, I think it's going to hold this L. And I think... Because in the last few games, last game against the Chiefs, he should have had three interceptions, um, but he got very, very lucky on a call there, an offside call. He 
thing is, if that Ed, I think Ed Reed or something, something they know D Ford is his name. If D Ford doesn't go offside there, and that interception is counted as an interception, Tom Brady is not in the Super Bowl, and I think the Rams are going to go in there. I think they're playing with a bit of a vengeance, even though they've already ticked Brady off. I think um, LA is finally getting a uh, an NFL chip. I'm going to tell you right now. Um, I think uh, Patriots are going to are going to teach them a little lesson on how to play big boy football in the big boy Super Bowl. If we're looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a great game. Uh, speaking of Tom Brady, Daniel Radcliffe has come out. I want to get the quote direct because I don't want to misquote him. But yeah, um, he I gets our beta Man of the Week award for the following mm. reason. I haven't I haven't heard this one, so I'm uh, more than happy to hear this. I mean, yeah. Bad Mail of the Week award. It's getting quite prestigious. I mean, the inaugural winner, Andy Cameron, is now sitting here okay. passing the baton on. <laughs> baton on to... This is why people think uh, get uh, weird about news. Uh, it's because of fake news like this. Pedestrian TV, which is another, I guess, sibling of BuzzFeed and... Um, and Vice. And Vice, which is basically just a... Kick the can around for social justice warriors and um, fair no masochists, white people with low testosterone levels. Um, so this is this is a headline from Pedestrian TV. Daniel Radcliffe just destroyed Tom Brady like he was the last Horcrux. So be cool, seriously, yeah, be cool. It's massive call. Super Bowl week. They, they're gonna Tom Brady's gonna go out there with a vengeance against not only the Rams but Daniel Radcliffe is gonna be about, about to be checked off. Daniel Radcliffe is, and the one person you don't want to give motivation to is the goat. The goat, um, hands, maybe the goat of all sports of all time, but that's a discussion for another day. Yeah. So the in real life Harry Potter, uh, Harry Potter slammed the footy player, so they called him a footy player during an interview at Sundance of all places. Uh, Variety asked the actor who he'd be rooting for at the Super Bowl and he responded, quote, Rams, because, like, the whole world is rooting against the Patriots, dot, 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 sorry. Uh, Savage. (laughs) Savage. Radcliffe was then asked if he thought Tom Brady should retire, to which he responded, he should stop winning things. Take that MAGA hat out of your locker. I feel like that was the moment when, as a country, we were all like, come on, dude, you're awesome. Don't put that in here. So Rams, I don't know if they're going to win, but I want them to. That's the savage takedown. Now, seriously, I don't know. seriously savage. He's <laughs> absolutely pinched Tom Brady. How are know. you not retired already? Yeah, look, I don't know. That, that brutal Zinger burger served up nice Zinger stacker from <laughs> straight out from of the D-Rad. K- straight out of the KFC kitchen from D-Rad. Harry Potter's been in the kitchen whipping some nice tingages up. Just remember as well what the what the headline was. Daniel Radcliffe just destroyed Tom Brady like he was the last Horcrux. And the savage is that, come on, dude, we thought you were better than that. You can uh, get out of here, yeah, the most, please. Yeah, the most savage one was he should stop winning things. I feel like that was the moment when as a country we were like, come on, dude, you're awesome. Don't put that in there. So that's, that's Daniel Radcliffe being savage. That's pedestrian TV. He's, um, he's just gone sicko mode. I hope that's I hope that's clickbait because if they if the people at pedestrian TV genuinely think that that's a takedown, um, look, I they don't, should they I, should start I watching. Have some, a lot for them. They should start watching either some UFC or WWE. Some Brock Lesnar highlights if they want to see. They should watch some vintage WWE. Some of the things that got set around WWE. Uh, but more importantly, if they want to see some savage takedowns, come to the Carnage House Productions. Come sit in the hot seat. Come in the hot seat. If you I'll are, tell you, Daniel Radcliffe. I'll take you. I'll, 
yeah, we'll take you down right now. That was a beta male move. You're a beta male. Um, Aaron's. I don't think he's ever. He's been consistently good since Harry Potter. Since Harry Potter, he's always going to be Harry Potter. Um, you're always going to be that guy. You know, Props to you. He's made a lot of money. But, you know, it's, um, it's what's quite funny. I guarantee like, you, Tom Brady would. If you were in a room with Tom Brady and your girlfriend, your girlfriend would not be your girlfriend at the end of the night. I mean, Tom Brady's taking that girl home. Um, he would whoop you. He's a 41 or 2-year-old arthritic, no mobility gangly self. Ass. Gangly self would still put an absolute beating on Danny Radcliffe, who was Dougal's childhood idol, yep. which is um, quite funny. <laughs> Dougal's got Dougal. a uh, signed picture of the Daniel's headshot. Some of this one from Daniel. <laughs> Dougie says got it, got it in the bank. <laughs> yeah. So, um, tell you, that's a, that is some serious weak source. That's some weak source yeah. from Matt Galea who wrote Matt, that article. Matt Galea, like he, he was the last Horcrux. If he had a day in during prime Cameron adolescence, growing up around the house, that's weak. He would not make Let me it tell out. You so, Tom Brady has been pumped by more. 325 pound, six foot six, run the 40 under five seconds type of athletes <laughs> than any bloke in history. I guarantee you. Um, but no, Daniel Savage. Throwing out da- Danny Savage. That's what we're going to have to call Danny him. Danny Savage. Throwing Danny out some of that league. garbage. It's going to have no effect. Well, look, I mean, the, I think the person who's. I mean, it is a seriously beta male move from um, Danny, Danny Savage, but also. What type of idiot to pedestrian TV think that's a serious slammer? That's a choke slam off the top rope, down through the ring, according to pedestrian TV. That is horrific form. Horrific banter. You can get out of my kitchen. That's disgraceful. I can't believe these people. And I can't, I can't believe they have an audience. And who, who writes these damn headlines? And But the thing that uh, was uh, quite telling for me, and probably the... the um, this is the this is the attitude of some people where they think that what they think is what the whole country thinks. Mm, it's it's like this bizarre collective. thing that I find. It's like I guarantee you, it's there that not even all the people in who watch Carnage House Productions think what I think. Not even close. I reckon most of them don't. But I get like when people say, "Oh yeah, um, I feel like that was the moment when, as a country, we were all like, uh, come on, dude, you're awesome. Don't put a that in there.'" He's not American either. He's not American. He's not American. But dude. Not even all British people think that. I don't know uh, where these people get, like get off. It's this sort of it's the it's a Hollywood complex. It really it's is. Like, as soon as you get into that just circle of toxicity, I, could, I just don't know if I could ever bring myself to say as a country we thought about, any, about, about pretty anything. much anyone. About I mean, anything because there, there's always particularly gonna, over the goat over the greatest of all time. Yeah, well, Daniel Radcliffe. Um, you can you can. That's a fair battle mail of the week award. That's we've started off one strength to another on the battle mail of the week. Yeah, happy with that. Happy, happy with, with that. that. That's huge. Um, Andos Anthony Davis trade mm. rumors. He's asked for a trade from the, from the Pels. From the Pels. That yeah. boy was keeping the um, keeping city them. of blues. Yeah, I mean, the city of brotherly love alive. Been a seriously tough tough week or so for New Orleans, losing in the. Uh, Conference championship in the NFL, just and now their star player has now finally pulled he's the, the franchise. He's he's the, the, franchi- the thing is, as well, right? He's a, he's it was the writing was on the wall as yeah. soon as he signed with Clutch Sports Management, Rich Paul, who was LeBron, LeBron's boys. Yeah. As soon as that happened, Anthony Davis was straight over out of New Orleans, City of Blues. You can get out of here. Um, 
But at least, right, it has made the trade deadline very, very interesting. Yeah. Um, especially because the team that would definitely secure them, which is the Celtics, can't do that. Have you heard about this? What's the... I, I, I've... So it's about um it's about they can't have two players on the same max deal or something like that. And they've yeah. already signed Kyrie, right? Who's going to re-sign this offseason, which they'll do to make sure they can sign Anthony Davis. But it means for the next nine days or whatever, every other team or most other teams can have a shot at signing AD, hopefully try to keep him. If you're the Lakers, this is your opportunity to get it done now. Yeah. Because um, if Anthony Davis goes to Boston, I don't see him leaving. Uh it's too big. The problem is that you get these players who come up from the minnow teams, yeah, the small draft, market drafted teams, their, drafted there. Do, spend no, their what they there, normally do, do is they, they, they do the first four years at least mm-hmm. where the team exercises the option and then normally they would potentially exercise or they just go into the... They do for at least three yeah. and then the fourth year. Yeah, and a lot of times the, the, the players take... Because the... The way that the incentives work for the NBA or whatever is that if you're the team that drafts them, you can give them more money. That's that's how they keep teams afloat. Yeah. And so for a team like New Orleans that has been pretty much hot trash, especially since Chris Paul left all those years ago, um, they're really they're just sort of clinging on to Anthony Davis, and now that he's said, "I'm not going to sign your contract. Trade me now and get something for me." A lot of it's got to fall on the GM. Yeah. Um, I mean, because he's surrounded him with no, no one. Yeah, you got um Drew Holiday. I like um, Drew Holiday's good. He's not he's not next level though. The, the problem NBA. is that the, the, the caliber of the point guard in the NBA is so deep. Everyone's got a good point guard. Mm, you can't, your best player can't be a point guard. Yeah, it's got to be. Um, and also they've got the Boogie Cousins experiment went horribly wrong. That was another thing. There's a lot of injuries. That was a, that yeah, Boogie's Boogie's had a had a tough time with the injuries, and then he decided to jet. Yeah, which yeah, is fair I mean, I'd want to get out of New Orleans as well, probably. Yeah. I want to go go bathe it up in San Francisco. As you would on a team that's already winning. Mm. Um, but I mean, the the uh, funny thing is, all these are. Uh, I think if the Lakers do get AD, it'll be Lonzo Ball who will get traded in part of this package deal. Who, uh, when he was drafted, Magic said we're giving him the keys to the franchise. Yeah, it's I mean, interesting. A whole lot of hoo ha about Lonzo. I like him as a player. I, I really, really do. I rate him big time. He's uh, he's underrated because he just gets slammed all the time. But the keys to the city is now getting chucked away into LeBron's pocket and LeBron's going to be making moves saying you can take him you can take him probably try to keep Kuzma but other than that everyone else is expendable uh, the LeBron experiment as GM as far as I'm concerned has failed almost everywhere he's gone I disagree I disagree um, he brought a championship back to Cleveland I'll give, I'll give him that mm-hmm. um, but what, what ends up happening they surround him with pieces for the first year, first or second year. Then after that, they say, you take the reins. Um, saw what happened in Miami after they won, won the chip. Yeah, they got, they got two out of four. Two out of four. Two. They shouldn't have lost against the Mavs. But I'm just saying to you, the problem is when you put it in a player's hands, a player can't be detached enough yeah. to actually make the calls properly. And LeBron's got this thing where... He wants to be coach GM and player, which is like I understand. It's I mean, especially when his head coach is a guy who's drafted in the same draft as him, but like number forty something. Yeah. It'd be insane to think that he that Luke Walton's got a better basketball mind than LeBron. I think he does. You think? He yeah, does? I think he does. I think he does. LeBron's a, um, one of the best. Uh, you know, 
he's a good player. But <laughs> don't be disrespecting someone you could definitely call a goat. Are you, you serious? I am. I'm. I've hopped on. I've been influenced by Nick Wright, and i dude. Nick Wright picks his stats. He cherry picks his stats. I he's know, not a. I he's not a data that. guy. But um, look, I'm dude, you get your three for nine and you lose against the Mavs. You're the not Mavs, the goat. The Mavs is a, is a big blemish. No it's a massive. Do three for nine. But the thing is, right? The thing is, it's hard to. It's. I think it's hard to put that on LeBron. Oh, really? dude, he's he's uh, but like he's the GM wherever he goes. He's the yeah, big ticket. Bear in mind, the greatest team of all time was constructed just to beat one man. Yeah, they the, did, and they did beat him because it's the greatest team of all time, and they got so goddamn lucky that all their players turned out the way they did. But that's that's whatever. He's not the goat. Um, I don't think he's in the conversation. To be honest, who do you I think's think in the conversation? Uh, there's Cream. I would say uh, Michael Jordan, Cream. Um, would you put Would you put Kobe above LeBron? Yeah, I would. I would have to. Yeah, I yeah. think you're an absolute lunatic. I think you're a shit. But not because of personal feelings, just data and analysis. I mean, Kobe did lose. Kobe didn't make it to the playoffs one year when he was in his prime. LeBron's gone to like eight or nine straight finals. Yeah, but he's played of pretty much entirely in the East. Yeah, the East has been hot trash. But he didn't miss the playoffs. How can Teams that are under 500 make the playoffs in the East. <laughs> They're going to yeah. do it this year. They've, every time he's been to the playoffs, the teams in the East have made it under 500. Yeah, but also you lose still, more games than you win, you yeah, make a playoff. Also, the, it's just the the, men, the more the mental game is played in the East, it completely deconstructed the Raptors, which were a very, very good team. Beat Boston both years in a row. I mean, maybe if Boston had Curry and Gordon Haywood, it'd be a different story, but I don't have to deal with facts here. Mm-hmm. I think you are absolutely insane to put Kobe above LeBron on an efficiency race on an efficiency basis, uh, statistical statistical basis, or any other basis whatsoever. I think you're an idiot, <laughs> a basketballing idiot, if you put Kobe above LeBron. I'll give you a couple of reasons why. Kobe's got five chips. First off, that's hard to argue against. He's not three for nine finals. Secondly, I don't understand. I don't understand the point of saying. Like, would it be better if LeBron didn't make the finals and then just was, like, three for five? No, no, no. It would be better if he made the finals and won them. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah that's, but I don't understand no. the point of getting to the finals, which is the pinnacle of basketball, right? And then getting beat by, like, a good team. I don't understand. How can you be the GOAT and get whooped up by the maps? Okay. The 2011 maps? Okay. Dirk, Dirk was older than my, my grandpa. When he played that, and Dirk was their best player. Dirk, Dirk's top fifteen all time, top twenty all time, maybe. There's nothing that get Dirk's above LeBron. <laughs> all right, you're gonna you're gonna get me all fired up. I can't believe you're one of these LeBron riders. I didn't pick you. I thought you'd be more rational than that. But then again, you've grown up, only grown up with LeBron. Yeah, I you've mean, really grown I mean, up. It's with a, it's it's really a subjective. Thing you were born. You were born in what? Oh one. Oh one. After you didn't get. To, the um, millennium, millennium celebrations. celebrations. Yeah, you tell this me this. Is, stuff. Yeah, Andos was unfortunate because, in general, but just also because um, he wasn't privy to the the once in a millennium celebrations that Dougal and I was. Which, I can, can I be honest? It was exactly what you would expect. It was unbelievable. unbelievable. It was a once in a millennium. These evil steroids, I'd assume. Like you've never seen it before. Mm, I can assume you're. I was a four-year-old self, and Dougal's two-year-old self were 
absolutely riveted, just encapsulated in the moment. We still talk about it. We still yeah, talk about it. You do it. talk about it. When he's in China, we chat about it. Do you remember the new millennium celebration and all this? You know, the plane started coming. And then there was. I was there for the planes. <laughs> I, <laughs> I ain't talking about your planes. <laughs> you can get out of here. You can seriously get out of here. Um, yeah, well. We're just dribbling on now. We're on our hands and knees crawling to the finish line here. <laughs> we're getting to the finish. Okay. Um, Anything else? Why don't you pick. Where's Davis going? Why don't you just say where he's going? I don't think he's going to LA. Because Lakers don't want to give up coups and they're going to have to. I think... But they've just got this massive glut at the four and the five. There's so many fours and fives in the Lakers. Their whole team's fours and fives. Well, it's... it's got Zubak, Chandler, two. McGee, Kuzma. Ingram is pretty much a four. Um, Ingram Ingram is plays one to four. Ingram, I think he dropped like 36 points today. Still a scrub. Still an absolute scrub. Yeah, he's been a scrub. They, they thought he'd be the next KD. Turns out to be closer to Kwame Brown. <laughs> I think he's closer to KD than Kwame Brown, but... He's um, definitely not what the hype was about. Yeah, I no players really lived up to the hype after college since Anthony Davis. Well, Anthony Davis wasn't actually that hyped because they just said he's going to be defensive, defensive player. Do you remember that? They were saying no. he's unreal defensive. If he develops an offensive I game, mean, he's a bonus. Um, I mean, Embiid was hyped quite highly before he got injured a bunch of times. Yeah, especially because Embiid was only like only started playing basketball. I think oh. the the year of going to college, nah. or maybe a couple of years nah, before. He a couple of years before. Yeah, but yeah. he, by no stretch of the imagination, he was not playing basketball for that long, and now he's an absolute. He's not playing like seventh or eighth grade, something like that. Yeah, he's maybe ninth grade. Um, Luka Doncic. Oh, he's he's probably he's a beast, he's, but he's played professional ball. That's the only the thing. He's top five of my favorite players in the NBA. Not even just rookies at the moment. I absolutely love his game. I think. Um, the Mavs need to trade Dennis Smith Jr. He's just in the way of Luka Doncic. You reckon? I, I like Dennis Smith Jr. though. I like it, but he's not. He's, he's not good. He's not. He's not he's that got good. Some he's going to be an average point guard. I mean, he's going to just be expendable. He's going to do the absolute rounds before he finishes his career. I think he's going to be reckon? on the trade block. Oh, like he's a nice, a nice backup point guard. I'd say no, not a backup point guard. Maybe a, a fringe starter. Fringe starter. He's because okay. he's got bounce, but he has. He's not a. He's not that good. He's not that good. Okay. Let's get out of Luca's way. Just, you can play LeBron ball with Luca. Just give him spot up shooters in the corner, and then let Luca just dribble it out. So we like that ISO ball. He's, no. he's next James Harden. Okay. Uh, consi- the, the Lakers, if they want AD, they're gonna have to throw the book. They have to throw the, uh, the whole roster's going. I think I would throw the book. I think what what I heard was asked was that they want Zubak. Zubac, uh, Kuzma, Lonzo, and their first, first round pick. Uh, that's the minimum. That's and that's you know the what? floor. You know what? I think I'd do it. I think I'd do it. I'd try, I'd try to tr- put in Ingram instead of Kuzma or maybe Josh Hart instead of Lonzo. But um, give me Anthony Davis. Those are some nice pieces. They, they're going to develop all right. But I think LeBron's only probably got three more years at the, at the, the precipice. Yeah. And um, Anthony Davis will then carry them to championships afterwards if he's got a, a decent LeBron. If like Ingram turns out half decent, um, I mean I like his V Mikhailu. He can also get traded though. He's going to be a nice little shooter. Um, but look, I would throw the book. I would really throw the book if that's the deal I get where those three players in the first round pick go. I'm taking that. If, if, if I'm taking that, if I'm the Lakers. 
Not sure if I would have bothered New Orleans, but I'm not sure if you've got much it's choice. Because all three of those are first round piece. Yeah. And I mean, you've just invested a whole lot of time and effort and tanking. And they're starting to get good. Starting to get good. Lonzo, I think, is going to be perennial all-star. You reckon? You reckon he's that good? You know who's been born? Lamelo. Lamelo. He's ranked. He went, big time. He went from like 6'1 to 6'8 yeah. in like six months. Yeah. He's like 6'7, six, 6'8. Six, Which is scary. Yeah. Because he's got some handle on Because he's shoot. he's going to be a lot better shooter than Lonzo is. He might. He's the problem is he's got a, he's got a horrible attitude. Yeah. Him and you should you see like the he reminds me highlights. of Dougal a lot. He does, except not, not Dougal's not cl- even close to as talented. <laughs> but um, Lamelo, yeah, he's if he decides to take the finger out, he's going to be a very very nice way. What about what do you think about teams tanking for Zion? No, I, I'm calling it. I'm not rating Zion. Not rating him. Yeah, I think he's really, really good and he's athletic, but he's in that tweener size. So we're like the six seven. He's a six seven, but he's built like a freight train. He's a different animal in terms of athleticism. Yeah. But um, and he, he can shoot the ball a little bit. A little, um, it's, it, it's developing. It's yeah. developing. He can get to the ring. He's also right. got a nice passing. He's got a nice pass. Like no doubt, lottery pick. I'm top five. Would be stretched. I would say I would say anything from four onwards. I would take. He's that that tweener size. We've seen it happen so many times where guys are big for college and against you know the the skinnier, smaller guys. They dominate and they do really well. NBA is a different beast. The thing is, he'd go into the NBA the second heaviest player in the NBA, only behind Boban. He's really? already he's already that big. Where he's I'm not sure how many pounds it is, but it's like 130 plus kilos. He's like he's he's dropped like 25 pounds already this college. I think he's like two two eighty five. It's it's something crazy how like he can get that much yeah, pounds. You're not you're not that tall. You got all this weight on you, and you can still get up up. Like he did this block. I think it was in yesterday's game or the or the day before, where it was at the top at like the the corner of the like ring on the the square behind the backboard. It's like, how does that? How does that dude get up like that? Dude's 129 kilos. Imagine, imagine that, and just running. And he's got, he's got some, some pace, pace. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he is an unbelievable athlete. He's six seven though, right? And what position are we putting him in at? Four. I'm because oh, he's between the three and the four. Yeah. He's, start, he's, he's starting to get a little bit of um, Michael Kidd Gilchrist vibes. Is what you give me. Michael Kidd Gilchrist is longer and skinnier. But he's, yeah, but he just couldn't shoot it. And I mean, Zion, Zion hasn't shown that he can consistently shoot it. He's not bad. I'm just saying, um, I cannot... If he grows taller, if he gets a little bit taller maybe, but he's just that... And his style is has been built on dominating people physically. And it's unfortunate because... I still think he's going to dominate in the pros. But, um, I think so. Look... Thing is, when we look back at this CHP five five years from now, and we see Zion's either a decent NBA player or he's transcendent. Then the thing is, that's the beautiful thing about sports. Don't know what's going to happen. You don't know. Don't know. It's a mystery. I don't, I definitely wouldn't be tanking for Zion. Yeah, I think. And because um, it's the lottery, there's no there's no guarantee. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the top, the the, the bottom, best, the best, the best percentage gets like twenty five. You get a one in four. Well, the um the bottom. The bottom uh, three teams now all have equal chance at the at the number one pick, which is interesting. Who are that? Um, well, we don't know who it is yet, but it'll be probably the Suns, the the Hawks, 
and um, I don't know some other scrub East team. But I mean, a lot of a lot of young guys have actually started playing real well this year. Like the Aaron Fox, for example, started doing some balling with Buddy Heald out there in Sacramento. Um, the Cavs. <laughs> oh, the Cavs. Yeah, that's the, the, that's the other are, scrub the team. The Bulls are doing worse than the Hawks. Yeah, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure how the Bulls have like an so okay it'll be, it'll team. Be the Suns, the Knicks, and the Cavs slash Bulls. Yeah, I mean the Knicks have just seriously had it hard with Porzingis being out for two two years. Um, but when Porzingis, I think if you have Porzingis and Zion on the same team, not only is that box office, I think in the age you could do a little bit of big bully damage. Yeah, you could do some damage. Problem is, if you get injured. No, uh, Chris Apps. They're no, they're no, they're no good. All right. Well, I think that might just. Wrap it up. Yeah. Uh, anything else you want to say? Anything else you want to get off the chest? Um, look for the people in my year uh, that are now realizing the HSC year is upon us. I think uh, good luck, Godspeed. Let's uh, give it a rip and a tear. I say let's get this bread. Let's secure the bag. Alrighty. Thank you for uh, bearing through that. Guys, got a little, yeah. bit of, little bit of waffle towards the end. A little bit of waffle towards the end. Uh, just, just a little bit of yarn skis. It's yarn skis. Yarn skis. Just pulling the handbrake up a little bit. And that's what we like to do here. Have, sometimes you just got to take a stroll, enjoy the enjoy the surroundings. That's have, right. Have the handbrake up, not go very fast. Just strolling through. That's what we like to do here. Just mix it up, mix it up pace. Mixing up a little bit. A little bit of the odd ooh ah glimmergrah. Top of off stump still, but just mixing up the pace a bit. Yeah. All right. But um, also, uh, soon enough, we'll have the third Cameron brother. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's that's, back. It's going to be absolutely huge having all three Camerons for... Uh, it won't be very long with... Uh, I might be getting extended. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. Well, big news. We'll let the people know. In, oh, also, um, Carnage House is about to start putting out a little bit of ex- uh, uh, other content, a little bit of uh, opinion pieces, a little bit of satirical stuff. Um, so if you feel like you've got something you want to write about, get off your chest, like 800 to 1,000 words or less, um, send it in. We'll put it on the page if it's, you know, yeah. if it's reasonable. And also, uh, s- send us your, your favourite memes as well. More memes, yeah. More memes, political memes especially. I mean, yeah. even if they're quite normy, we still... We still don't mind it. Still don't mind it. All right, thanks for being with us, guys. We really appreciate it. Shout out to my style suits again. Big things happening on that front. Thanks. Uh, what's, what's the logo? Is it the the slogan? Suit first, ask questions later. <laughs> That's it. Suit first, ask questions later. Alrighty. Catch us later.